Three minutes it is now after 8 p.m. And uh, we go into our SMME exchange. Now, now I'd initially said uh, my guest uh, was the head of startup success and services at uh, Launchpad uh, Google, uh, Launchpad Africa, I should say, at Google. Uh, I initially said it hey, was from Lagos. But uh, I guess, um, you know, uh, as, as we prepared for this interview, you had to make sure uh, that he comes to Johannesburg. And he's with me here in studio. Uh, his uh, name is uh, Fola Olatunji David. And uh, he joins me here in the studio. Fola, yes, how far? <laughs> I do. <laughs> <laughs> you good, my brother? Yes, I'm good, Ibanga. Cool, cool, yeah. cool. Fola, let's yeah. maybe start off here, man. Uh, um, you know, we, we have this slot in this feature that we do uh, every uh, every Tuesday here. And we, and we take a look at uh, the uh, SMME landscape and the startup yep. uh, sort of ecosystem. And many people would know uh, that, you know, Google has played a central role in, in that ecosystem. Uh, in many parts of the developed world, uh, but uh, one would be interested in, I guess, well, what what role and function they they play here on the continent, and what Launchpad Africa is uh, within the Google stable. Great, uh, it's good you you've pointed out that Google has been a player in the um, ecosystem, as well as thinking as the startup landscape. Mm. Uh, Google as a company has been committed to the continent for a while now, so yeah. we've been running programs that cater to uh, small businesses, that cater to the youth, that cater to essentially helping people be better. Mm. So Launchpad program is focused on connecting Google to the best startups across the continent. So we connect them to mentors within and outside Google. We connect Mm. them to technology. We connect them to PR. And we connect them to uh, the exposure that comes with being part of the Google ecosystem. Mm. Now, it didn't just start from there. We've been running... Uh, startup boot camps uh, called Launchpad Start and Launchpad Build. We've been running that on the continent. We've also run several ecosystem building activities okay. uh, like the Google Developer Groups. We've been running Women Tech Makers. We've been running uh, Google Developer Experts and a couple of other programs like this on the continent for, mm. for years now. Mm. Yeah. And and I guess, you know, for Google, many people might be just be familiar with Google as a, as a search engine. Yes. Um, and, and of course, we, we also want to use this platform to, to maybe educate some of the people who might not be familiar with Google's work beyond just being a search engine. And some of the work, I guess, uh, and the utility of your work that you do for, for people who are interested in the world of marketing from a digital perspective, yes. which is certainly an aspect that you've managed to corner as a company. Yeah, so it's, uh, Google as a company is very broad. Uh, people interact with Google. Most people who are on the internet interact with Google somewhere or the other every day. Uh, so whether from a most popular search, uh, the Google search, or through YouTube, uh, where they watch content, or through Android, mm. or through the Google Maps, or a slew of other uh, tools. We have uh, we have about eight products uh, that have over a billion users, wow. uh, active users. So it, it, there's a lot of programs uh, that are available in the Google suite. But what we do across board is uh, essentially build these tools that enable people be better. Mm. So mm. the premise of Google is to take the world's information and to organize it and make it universally accessible and useful. And so whether we're doing that through search in, in form of plain text or videos or images, or we're doing that through YouTube in terms of giving you the skills to learn anything you want to learn, the opportunity to learn any skill you want to learn, or through some of our uh, mobile applications where you can uh, build your business via just a telephone mm. because Android is accessible. That's what we do. We now take it a step further in terms of education. So through our digital skills program, we're actually teaching people 
digital skills. Sure, sure. What, what kind of skills are those? Because, uh, and I want to maybe preface that question with, with the observation that one of the things that we see on the continent yes. is uh, this massive challenge of uh, realizing our demographic dividend. We're a very young continent. Many young people aren't in work. Yes. And uh, also, uh, one gets a sense that we've really had this traditional notion of what skills are, yes. of what work is exactly. um, uh, associated with the kind of skill that uh, people would have. H- how does this digital skills program, I guess, fit into that kind of context? So w- when you think about the way the, the information age has morphed, uh, Africa as a continent uh, cannot afford to be left behind. Mm. So when we think about the industrial age, the manufacturing age, where the skills that were in demand were kind of like hard uh, physical skills, so ability to farm, ability to do metal work, ability to physically uh, construct. Mm. Uh, we've moved towards the age where computers are uh, enabling us to do more quicker. And so the jobs of the future are where we can find that synergy between taking your intellect and applying it to the computer. So when we think about digital skills, we think about things like helping you build uh, an online presence. We mm. think about helping you do digital marketing, helping you find your customers online, and even basic things just like searching the internet. Uh, to us, it comes naturally because we're digital natives. Sure, sure. Uh, but for a lot of people, when they see a computer, they're, they're scared. They don't know where to start from. Mm. Uh, they want to learn, how do I bake a cake? So we take them through that process of first being first-time internet users. Mm. Uh, we actually have a phrase for it within Google. It's called the next billion users. So the next billion internet users who um, were either born at a time where they were not able to access the internet freely when they were learning, or they were even born recently, mm. but they've just not been privileged to access it. So we, we teach them these skills, and we, we show them how they can be better. Uh, how Google is mm. helping them be better. How, how does that position them for, for the growing, I guess, global uh, uh, presence of m- things like micro work, where, where I can take, if I need yes. some gra- a logo design, yes. if I need graphics done for oh. a video. Oh, um, yes. Essentially, yeah. what we've seen across the continent is uh, talent is evenly distributed uh, everywhere from speaking to somebody in Soweto to speaking to somebody in Accra to speaking mm. to someone in, in Dar es Salaam. They're brilliant minds. Uh, And like you said, micro work is a way of essentially helping people take uh, some quick jobs. So it might not be full-time work, but Mm. enabling them to have a skill that they can use to work. So, But it's all in that exposure. And at the end of the day, what we need to do is to light that fire, Mm. to let them know that this is possible. How many times have you seen the story of some entrepreneur who's doing amazing work and he goes back to his humble beginnings and he's just saying, oh, one day I saw somebody with a computer Mm. and I asked, how do I do this? And it's not like the person dumped the information on his head at that point, but he just got introduced. And he triggered that curiosity. And he triggered that curiosity. And I mean, they have the talent. They have, uh, I spent some time, I will be spending some more time this week uh, speaking to alumni of the Launchpad program mm. talking about their experience from Launchpad and uh, while they were in Launchpad and after Launchpad. Mm. And informally, I know that they've been talking about, oh, uh, it just opened our eyes, some of the things that we can do with artificial intelligence, sure, some sure. of the things that we can do with some Google tools. I mean, and these are people who have been doing great work before mm. Google. How much more somebody who had never sure. 
heard about Google before. So. Okay, let's pause there for a second yeah. and also encourage some of our listeners here to weigh in on our conversation. Give us a ring on a 089-110-3377. I'm in conversation with the head of Startup Success and Services at Launchpad Africa at Google, and that's Fola Olatunji David. And we're talking about uh, the state of the startup ecosystem on the continent of Africa. And of course, uh, as you would know, that is intimately tied uh, to uh, the prospects of getting young people into a productive activity here on the, the African continent. I'd love to hear some of your perspectives and uh, some of the questions that you might have for uh, Fola. So uh, do send through, of course, uh, some of those uh, uh, tweets as well on at MetroFMSA. Use the hashtag MetroFMTalk and uh, also ring us up on 089-110-3377. 14 minutes it is now after 8 p.m., uh, I'm in conversation with uh, Fola Olatunji David uh, from Launchpad Africa at uh, Google and uh, joining us here in studio. And uh, Fola, uh, I guess uh, if I'm to take a look at some of the tweets that are coming through here, uh, uh, one of our um, listeners here, uh, Marqueswa on Twitter, saying, I uh, really want to learn more about uh, African tech startups and their progress in terms of uh, pursuing the fourth industrial revolution uh, outside of South Africa. And uh, certainly much of your work uh, would have, uh, have uh, I guess, the inside lane or the inside track on uh, uh, one of the key areas of activity that many startups are engaged in, which interfaces with uh, you know, the fourth industrial revolution and some of the tech that underpins that, uh, and what that ecosystem looks like in many of the different regions. I think a lot of us here in South Africa often think you know, places like Kenya, places like Tanzania, that the ecosystems are much better developed than what we are here uh, in South Africa. But what are some of the key things that you're seeing on the continent? Okay, so uh, what I can tell you is that we have... We as a company, we believe in Pan-African uh, entrepreneurship. Mm. Uh, we believe that while every market is different, the best synergy would happen when we take uh, startups from South Africa and connect them to startups from Kenya, mm. to startups from Egypt, to startups from Senegal, and, and so on and so forth. Uh, every market has its unique nuance, and so far, so good. We've seen that uh, South African market has a very strong, because South Africa has a strong education uh, uh, ecosystem, we see startups that form from university. So uh, there's a lot of activities from the universities. And, and so what that means is that founders, by the time they are building their companies, they've mm. had one or two tries. Sure. Uh, in Lagos, there's that very, that hustle mentality. Uh, and, you, and you know this. All of us know this. <laughs> I mean, all of us know so, this. <laughs> so it means that startups, sure. will, they just wouldn't die, you know? Yeah. And sometimes yeah. it's good to connect uh, somebody who has been working uh, in the entrepreneurship space uh, to somebody who just hustles. Yeah. In Kenya, they just believe in opportunities. Like mm. You see, you talk to a Kenyan startup and they're telling you, we're going to build an app to take us to the moon. And you're looking like, okay, let's do this. <laughs> let's do this. And, and for us at Launchpad, um, having run this on the continent for almost two years now, mm. we've seen that by taking startups from different ecosystems, there's so much we can teach them, but there's even much more that they can learn from each other. Uh, so we've seen activities in and the usual suspects in fintech, mm, mobile in payments, that payment, kind of stuff. You know, yeah. uh, peer-to-peer lending. Mm. We've seen a lot of activity in that. Well, uh, we've started seeing activities in education, mm. in agriculture. In insurance, uh, one of my favorite startups is based here in Johannesburg. It's called Pineapple. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. They, they, they do insurance in a very creative way. And, and so we're very excited when we see this type of activity because it means that our hypothesis that Africans will solve Africa's problem, it means it's coming to life. 
and so we're very excited to see those mm. trends. What What are some of the things? I mean, you, you spoke about digital natives yes. uh, earlier on, and uh, a certain generational thing about people who I guess were born at a certain time when the internet was positioned and developed in a certain way. But I'm also quite interested in you know what kind of economic opportunities for entrepreneurs. Uh, emerge from the fact that the continent of Africa is a mobile-first continent, that uh, you probably don't have as many people working on desktops or even laptops as you would in other places of the world. So a, a phrase we like to use on the continent uh, very often is leapfrog. Mm. You know, people are like, oh, we leapfrog certain technologies. And in the real sense of it, we have done that, like you rightfully said, essentially moving quickly to mobile. Uh, what it means is uh, a few years ago when I started my career, to get work done, I had to be at my desk either at my desk or at my home computer or at the very best where I can whip out my laptop. But because our mobile devices are constantly connected to us, mm. it means I can get work done on the go. Uh, it means with Google My Business, you can set up your business location and people can find you at yeah. any point. It means with Google Maps, uh, people can search for your office or your shop and know where you are without getting lost, without having to call or being dissuaded. It also means that in using some other product, you can build an online store and you can get paid quickly. Now, this fundamentally have reduced the barrier to entry. Into to business, start, yeah. To start in business. So, it, at any point, you can translate your skill. Uh, the example I used earlier about baking is is hilarious because uh, I can challenge somebody who's listening to go learn how to bake today and in two weeks, do not poison anybody, but you can start selling almost immediately because once you bake, immediately you can tweet that, hey, cakes for sale mm. in Santon. Yeah. And the next thing, you have people who can buy and purchase and use an online delivery service. And that fundamentally changes what we know as possible. Mm. So when we look at the problems people are solving today, 10 years ago, it was totally different. 20 years ago, it was totally different. And as we think about it in 10 years, the problems that we want to be able to solve should increase significantly. Uh, we want to have solved the fundamental issues. We want to have fixed education. We want to have fixed transportation. Mm. We want to have fixed uh, payments because these things, f they form the base at which innovation needs to happen. Mm. And, and, and maybe just, I mean, briefly, uh, uh, Fola, when we take a look at how, I guess, systems of governance and governments have responded to this. I mean, I, yes. I often make the case here in South Africa that with all of the advances and certainly with a relatively developed ecosystem here in South Africa, depending on who you speak to, you still have a situation where the interface with government services upon which much of, I guess, the fortunes of yeah. this industry rest, be it from a spectrum perspective, electricity, and many other things that yeah. uh, constitute the baseline infrastructure that we need, uh, it seems that a lot of that continues to have legacy systems and very traditional 20th century thinking. Yes. Um, so the government's role is to create an enabling environment. Uh, and to be quite honest, I've, I've seen a lot of forward-thinking uh, mm. government movement. Obviously, it's never as fast as you want it to be. Mm. We, we live in a society where we want it now, now, now. But generally, the government has been uh, creating, whether it's from South Africa or across up north as you look uh, across the continent. But what I can say is that innovation will happen and we should embrace and see how we can work around uh, some of the challenges that we have as opposed to complaining. Mm. Uh, and that's really what we do at Launchpad. Uh, it's You've seen a problem sure. and you're solving it. Okay. Uh, yes, the problems are there. They're constant. But what are you doing to change it? 
Fola, let's pause there for a second. We come back, and uh, on the other side of this, I want us to take a look at, I guess, uh, you know, some of the baseline infrastructure that I'm talking about, and of course, how Google uh, is able to play a, a role in assisting us uh, to get uh, some of that connectivity, which uh, many people say is, is, is catalytic and is able to catalyze some of the uh, business cases that Fola was talking about. I'd love to hear from you as well. Do send through those tweets on uh, uh, at MetroFMSA. Use the hashtag MetroFMTalk, and uh, you can also tweet me on at AYGAWIGAMA. 23 minutes it is now after 8 p.m. I'm in conversation with uh, Fola Ola Tunji David. He is with Launchpad Africa at Google where he's the head of startup success and the services. And uh, we're talking as part of our SMME exchange uh, conversations this evening here on the Metro FM Talk. And uh, Fola, before we, uh, I mean, just off air, we were talking about uh, you know, some of the issues associated with access to data. I mean, many people would say you guys are having a very palace conversation, right? You are <laughs> assuming quite a lot of things here that firstly, people are able to spend as much time on the internet as is often possible in many developing countries. And we know here in South Africa that, uh, you know, access to internet has not only an, an economic uh, a, a basis, but also a geographical basis. That there's more infrastructure in urban places than there is in many of the rural no areas, places. but also it's m- people who have more money who can access the internet consistently because of uh, the excessive costs of data that we see. What role and function do you see for, I guess, the communications regulators and even the telcos when it comes to to widening access? I mean, we've seen the benefits of doing that in places like India where, you know, if you speak to an e-commerce giant, uh, the bulk of their sales are coming from rural areas. And even the solutions that are emerging in some of those contexts because of the reach of the internet in rural areas are also starting to have a rural dimension to them. Exactly. Uh, well, yeah. So when we think about uh, the internet, uh, we're increasingly starting to think of the internet as a basic human right. So the same way people should have uh, access to food, shelter, uh, somewhere on that pyramid of need should be the internet. Uh, and basically, that is because everything that has been built uh, has been built on that layer. So increasingly, we see that before innovation can truly happen, people need to be able to access that in innovation. So uh, like the use case that you said in India, when you trace India's uh, revolution Mm. of some sort, it was 20, 30 years ago where a telco was determined to cover the landmass of India in such a way that even in rural areas where electricity hadn't gotten to, there was already telco coverage. Mm. And so we have to consistently challenge uh, both the government and the telcos, like you rightfully said, to provide this layer of infrastructure. And it's not a charity case. They make money off of this. And speaking about making money, <laughs> data costs typically have to be uh, on the same par with what people are spending. Mm. We have some of the most expensive data charges in the world on the continent so we need to see how do we make data more accessible Mm. uh, more consistent across board so that people can build the necessary solutions on top of this internet yeah yeah talking about data i mean uh, there's there's the data yes that we use to access the internet yes and then there's our information Um, and i think uh, you know i I would be it would be remiss of me to have somebody from google in the studio without talking about issues of uh, sovereignty of our data. Yes. Um, and some of the big issues around what our data is used for. And I guess, uh, you know, uh, the function of uh, the harvesting of people's information in the business models of many tech organizations. And how do we get to a point where we're able to regulate the downside risk of that? But also, much like we're saying, you know, uh, ex- access to connectivity should be a human right. 
surely humans should also have control over what their information is used for. And if you take a look at Cambridge Analytica, it's quite clear that even at a mass scale, we're seeing people's information being harvested for nefarious ends that uh, even serve to undermine uh, democratic processes across the world. Cool. So I can say this um, very clearly. Google does not use your data. In fact, as a company, we've always made it clear that you have control as a user over how much data leaves your device, uh, whether to third-party apps or to whatever uh, website you visit. Mm. And you have control. You have control over what passes out. You can always change that in your phone's account settings. So every single app on your phone, you can change the data. Uh, But you are right in the sense that there's a growing uh, concern over what is out there and Mm. how much information people are sharing. So as always, we remind people to be uh, responsible in the data that they share and they sure. put out there. But like I said, Google doesn't use your data and you have control over how much uh, data you want to send out. Mm. Yeah. Let's talk just briefly here. Uh, I mean, we touched on the digital skills issue, but you did indicate there's an entire ecosystem of support for small businesses or, or startup businesses within the Google stable. And uh, the big question many of them might be asking themselves listening to this conversation is, um, you know, how do they access that kind of support? Uh, I might be sitting, you know, in Google uh, to all the way out in Cape Town, listening to this conversation and asking myself, you know, I've got this brilliant idea, but how do I tap into that you know, suite of support services that Google offers so that I can take it from an idea to actually a living existential reality. Okay, so there's a there's a plethora of uh, resources that we have. Uh, encourage anyone to check out startups.google.com. Mm. Uh, startups.google.com. It's essentially where we've put everything available for startups. So starting from education, in terms of just learning how to do certain things, how to uh, tell good stories, compelling stories how to do your um, build an MVP and mm. even how to apply for programs like Launchpad Accelerator uh, in terms of digital skills you also have links that link back there but the direct link to the digital skill is g.co slash digital skills okay I'll take that again it's g. g.co forward slash digital skills and there's so many resources mm. it, it, it then becomes like a buffet where you have so many options and then you have to pick from. But one thing you do know is whatever stage you're at, Google is there to support you. Awesome stuff. And if you're a startup owner listening to this conversation, I often say you don't need uh, to, uh, I guess, uh, be an octopus of sorts and have your hands doing all manner of things uh, in the digital age that we live in where you can have your payroll done by a digital platform. You can have your HR done by a digital platform. You can have all manner of things you're invoicing done by a digital platform. It's just about going out there and looking and uh, being able to uh, find some of those uh, solutions. Fola, thank you so much, my brother. Really appreciate it, man. Um, That there was Fola Olatunji David. He is with uh, the Launchpad uh, at uh, Google and uh, taking a look, of course, at uh, startup uh, success and the services. They're based all the way out uh, in uh, Lagos, but they do have a presence here in uh, Johannesburg. Uh, in uh, South Africa and uh, certainly one to take a look at uh, if indeed as uh, we think about retooling, reskilling and repurposing uh, uh, the skill sets that we have and even continuous learning. There's nothing wrong in sitting there in front of your computer and going in there and learning a new skill uh, online. You might not uh, get a certificate for it. I do think the Google ones, you you get a certificate. Uh, So yeah, I mean, uh, think about that. How nice would it look on your CV to have that uh, digital skills program? Uh, we take this brief break now, and on the other side, we take a look at the politics in Guazulu Natal. You don't want to miss this one.